like, Kush, let's go. Let's line it up. Let's go. Yes, yes. let's do it. <laughs> let's do it. Okay. We are recording on Yuggera and Turrbal land today and pay our respect to elders and community leaders past, present and emerging. We would like to acknowledge our First Nations people, the original creators, storytellers and carers of this land. You're listening to Upfront, where everyone has a story worth sharing. Language warning. I think failure is the reason I'm even a little bit successful. I know that's so hard to hear because no one fucking wants to go through the failure. People just want the highs. I'll admit that. I just want the good stuff. But I don't think you'd appreciate the good stuff, you know, unless you've overcome a hurdle to be like, wow, gosh, like what a feeling. What a great feeling. CJ, welcome. Thank you. Kosh, thanks for having me. It's been <laughs> such a long time. I'm so glad we've, we've just had a little reconnect on the back end. It's been really nice to we chat. We have. We yeah. just had a, a big um, a big wow. wag and yeah. it's, it's late at night there and you're putting the kids to bed and I'm having a mid-morning coffee. No, the kids are already down. Don't worry. They've been down oh, for an down. hour. Oh, they're down. They're asleep. They're asleep. Kids are asleep. As far as I'm aware, so, there is. I'm eating into your precious sleep time. No, it's fine. I'm loving it. Let's start at the start. We've got two Brizzy girls, so I guess let's start young CJ in Brisbane. Oh, gosh. Well, like my family, we're a South African family, so we moved at the late 90s, moved with mum, dad, my sister and I, and we moved to Brizzy and we went to school in Brizzy and I was just a regular kid at school. Um, I was relatively sporty, not particularly academic, bless my heart, but relatively sporty. And I seemed to really enjoy swimming. And so mum was like, all right, let's chuck you in some swimming lessons. So I kind of did that a little bit. When I say a little bit, it kind of got to more of a competitive level. Like I was training every morning and every afternoon in and amongst school. Mm. And then I started to get better and better and better. And then I started to compete in swimming competitions and then I somehow got on to Australian teams and represented Australia and travelled the country doing that, which was lovely. And then it got to a stage where I trialled for the Australian Olympic team in, I don't know how old I was, maybe 16 or maybe I was a bit younger than that. I was very young and I just missed out on the Olympic team by like a microsecond. Mm. And I was just like, fuck this, I'm done, I'm donezo. Um, and I'm really sugarcoating it here. I think I knew that it'd be another four years of grinding and I didn't know if I could be bothered. And, and not just that, I didn't think I had enough talent to continue to the levels I kind of wanted to get to. I was like, I knew I'm good, but I didn't mm-hmm. know. I was like, I don't know if I'm, I don't know if I'm that exceptional. Good to, enough. Yeah, exactly. I don't think I'm good enough. And I think that's a good realistic place to come to. I'm like, I think I've gotten as far as I can get. And I'm not someone with a particularly extraordinary natural talent. I kind of got to the level I got to just through sheer hard work. And in all honesty, natural talent's a great thing if you combine it with hard work. But I really didn't have any natural talent. I just had grind. And I think you can only get so far with grind, especially when it comes to swimming, in my opinion. So yeah, I got as far as I could. And I'm like, I don't know if I've got the capacity to go all the way. And so I gave up swimming. 
And I was just, then I was just a regular kid. I was at my last year of high school. I was like, oh shit. So I finished high school and then I went to university and I started to study architecture and I was horrible at that. And when I say horrible, I was just useless. I plagiarized people's assignments. I just wasn't into it. I was like, oh. But I went to a school where you were kind of encouraged to do degrees and go and become a professional, whatever, whatever. And I was like, all right, I'll go into architecture. And after two years of architecture, I kind of went and I thought, God, I need a degree. I need to do something. So then I went to go and study finance. And you, God, you thought I was bad at architecture. I was even worse at finance. But I somehow <laughs> stuck it out for another five years in finance. So all up, I've been at uni. I was at uni for seven years, and I never got a degree. That's how hopeless I was. Oh my I was kind of perpetually enrolled, but like never. I would just not rock up to exams, like sleep through exams. Like not one bit of me had one inkling of excitement to be there. I was like, I never went to uni. I was enrolled, but I always wanted to work. I was so invested in working in bars and restaurants <laughs> on 18 an hour because I was like, money, <laughs> this is so great. Freedom. I can pay for snacks. I can do all these things. And that really excited me. I really enjoyed the, I, I don't know why. I just enjoyed working. I just didn't, I would work, I would work more than a full-time job. I'm talking, I'd work 80 hours a week in a restaurant and a bar. I just loved working. And then, but yeah, I should wow. have been working 80 hours a week at uni, but I, I put about two hours in a week. I just didn't care. But I knew I had to get I guess good. with something like that, it's yeah. something perhaps like with the money thing, you get an instant reward, right? Yeah. I, an instant tangible reward that then you can go. I don't know what it was. And spend something yeah, with. I just enjoyed working. Like I didn't understand that uni, I was just giving them money and I'm like, they should be paying me to attend uni for all I'm concerned. I'm like, <laughs> boy, I'm a good cop. You should, you should, you want me at uni, you know? But I was like, no, nah, this just you should be paying me to be here. That's like was kind of my mindset, which is so silly. I know this to be true, but in my head, I was like, I just don't understand why I'm going. It seems so irrelevant. The things I was learning, I was like, I don't care about calculus or low cell high. I'm like, I don't care. I just really enjoyed the simplicity of working in a restaurant. I loved being a waitress. I loved working in a bar. I just had so much fun. Um, and then oh, how do I explain going from, I kind of got to a stage where I was doing really, really badly at uni. I was doing badly the whole way, but it kind of with a snowball effect, like the things you're meant to pick up on in the first year of finance, the second year you kind of add on those concepts. And by the third year, you're kind of, building on the concepts year upon year. But because I never picked up on the concepts in year one, I'd get to year two and I it's like it got worse and worse and worse. And I I kind of floundering. Oh floundering that's a really good word, Kush. But kind of I can't explain (laughs) it. It was kind of that sanity, you know, when you cheat in an exam, probably no one's done that. Not saying I have what? But like and you're just panicking. Don't do that at home, kids. Yeah, don't do that at home. But I was like that panicky kind <laughs> so of like. Stop encourage that. <laughs> but that kind of like you know the blood rising and you're panicking and you're going red. I was like, mm. I don't know, I don't like this feeling. And I'm like, what am I even oh, doing? I think that's anxiety. It absolutely was, and I was like, I don't like who I'm becoming. I don't mm. like this kind of anxiety of uni. This anxiety of like, have I done the assignment? No, of course I've done done the assignment. Sitting in exams, I'm like, I don't even know what that word is. What's the concept? I'm even. 
oh, it was just a disaster. Mm. And so I was kind of getting to a stage where I had actually started, I got a job in retail. I was actually working at Chanel, just selling handbags, nothing fancy. And I was like working full time at Chanel, just loving it and kind of really at my worst spot in university. And I was kind of working. I was like, you know what? I'm at my absolute lowest. I'm working in retail. I'm not saying that working in retail is not a good thing. I just had an expectation in my head that I was going to do and do, go and do great things. So I was like, I was an exceptional athlete, was an exceptional athlete. Athlete, I'm not now. But I'd known the feeling of what it felt like to achieve something. And I I just wasn't having mm. that feeling anymore. I was like, the fuck, I'm, I'm useless at uni. I'm in retail. I was like, I want to be great. And I'm not getting that. I'm not. I don't think this is the way that that's going to happen. I, things yeah. were just weren't adding up. I was like, this is not the direction I'd really thought my life was going to go. And so I had a big old long hard look at myself. I was like, yeah, go. Do you have a question? I was just going to say, just to interject and yes. go back to yeah. swimming. Yeah. You know, I think to an extent you downplayed how good <laughs> you were at yeah. swimming yeah. because you had a training partner in Steph Rice who yes. later went on yeah. to become... Yes. Australia's golden girl of the swimming pool. Yeah. So let's not downplay yeah. how good you were. So no. We, and you were trying out for the Olympic team. Yeah, totally. Um, do you think after yeah. that you sort of lost a sense of a goal? Yeah, I think so. I think I kind so, of yeah. was a lost fart in a thunderstorm. And, and just talk about the chef rice <laughs> just really, really quickly. What I really mm. admired about Steph when she was swimming she is, in my opinion, one of the most extraordinary, gifted in terms of talent, talented athletes I've ever witnessed. And being able to witness her swim butterfly, in my opinion, I think butterfly is one of the hardest strokes. If anyone's tried to swim up and down a pool, mm. butterfly is extraordinarily difficult. But watching her kind of... It's also exceptionally hard to do gracefully. So sorry. <laughs> Jeff was... Stunning to watch. She truly was a butterfly. Yeah. She was graceful and she was just a truly gifted, very naturally gifted athlete, just exceptional. She just mm. had a way of moving through the water that looked so comfortable. And then I think yeah. it coupled with a lot of hard work, it was a perfect storm. She was going to go on and do great things. Yeah. I never had that natural ability. I had more of an intense fierceness through the water that looked very uncomfortable. And it just like there's only <laughs> very aggressive <laughs> swimming technique. Very aggressive, very splashy. You looked at you looked at me swimming, you're like, whoo, out of breath just watching me. Do you know what I mean? You're like, what what just happens? What did like, I just woo, witness? Woo. Like, has she finished yet? You know, so I mean <laughs> I just think it's a good way to explain. I think you can get in sport in particular, I think you can get so far up grinding and then yeah, it might be different for other people, but I think for me, I just couldn't get all the way. And maybe mindset-wise, I'm done. I'm just burned out. I've worked so hard. I don't think I can work any harder. Trained as hard yeah. as anyone could train. And I just realistically was like, no, nah, I'm done. And yeah, you're right. I think going from... Was it a shock to you that you didn't make the team? It was, but I was also really young. I think that was a sa my saving grace. I think yes. if I was late twenties mm -hmm. and I didn't go to you and I didn't have anything else in the pipeline, that would be really devastating. But 
because I was still at high school, I'm like, all my friends were going out and partying and I was raining and, and, you know, and I went to the AIS for a little while, which was in Canberra. And, you know, just, it was my whole life was swimming. And then I gave it up and I was, I really actually enjoyed not swimming for a little while because I had that final year of year 12 where I just got to be normal. And I quite enjoyed that. And yes, just got to be a kid. Just got to be a kid and I really enjoyed that. But there was that sense of identity. I was on on the fast track to be exceptional and then to just become a normal kid, another face in the crowd was mm-hmm. a little bit of an identity shift. And I kind of got on with it. And I think yes. that's why I put so much energy and I should have, you know, put my energy into university, but I put so much energy into work because it was something I could control. I picked up a lot of shifts. I said, put me on daytime, nighttime. I'll pick up other people's yeah. shifts. I loved being busy. I was good at it. I love being a waitress. I just enjoyed the fast-paced nature of that industry. And I still really miss it, actually. I really, mm. I really had a great time in that job. And, and then, yeah, and then university just didn't, it wasn't fast enough. It was too slow. It was too, it almost themed out of date to me even then. I remember sitting in a lecture, right, and some, yes. old, some old geezer was pointing with his laser beam with his red laser pointer at the blackboard <laughs> of, a, of an overhead transparency. I was like, what the fuck is going on here? I was like, nah, old mate, old mate down the front, can't even see. He's got his magnifying glass on and the OHT. I'm like, what the fuck are you going to teach me? And ever since then, I was like, no, nah, I'm out of here. you a textbook from 1969. Yes. And I was like, the money I had to spend on textbooks. And I was like, this is just a lot of a waste. And a lot of people being like, oh, I'm going to you. Did you get a job at KP? And I was like, no, I, no, not didn't even go through the interview. Like, I didn't care. Yeah. And that's not to say this, these mm. are not great careers. I just was just not mentally capable of uni. I, I don't know what it was. I was relatively okay at school, but I just couldn't handle the self-directed nature of learning. I don't know what it was. Perhaps not seeing a set outcome. So with, yeah. you know, certain things, I think swimming, there's a very yes. set defined outcome of what yeah. the goal is there, right? Totally. Whereas I think university, you can kind of go in different directions. There's different forks in the road. Kush, what did you study um, And uni? different avenues to what take. What did you do? I did communications and design. Were you at so graphic design. Q? So I did an arts degree yeah. and it, well, I started an arts degree at yeah. UQ. Okay. And then it was sort of similar to you that there was no goal there. There's no sense of direction. Like I think that's quite an old school thing, the arts degree, is that, you know, do all these different subjects and then decide what you want to do. But I think that's what school should be for. Yeah. So I think it's hard to work hard at something if you don't know what you're working for. Yeah, and I just felt it was more of an obligation. Yeah, I think so. It was an ob- mm. I felt obliged to be at uni and I didn't know why I was there. I certainly wasn't there because I wanted to be there. I was there because I'm like, well, how the fuck else do you get a job? And I think yes, nowadays, exactly. nowadays the, the goalposts have changed. Very different. Everyone. Very different. But back then it was very much like, all right, you go to uni, this is how things have to be done. Get out your textbook, come for your exam. You've got two hours. And I was like, oh, I'm not a good rote learner. I'm a bit slow. Like I said, I wasn't particularly academic. <laughs> Very sporty, but not particularly mm. academic. I couldn't bang out all my knowledge in two hours. If I had six hours to do the exam, I probably would have done quite well. But two hours is a little bit of a tight yes. time frame. 
my brain doesn't work that quickly. Mm. I need a bit of I need a bit of the breathing time. I need to have a diet coke. I need to have a lolly. I need to consult my textbook. Yes. But I am not good in the exam setting. You've got two hours to just rote learn no, stuff. No, I'm similar. Yeah, I'm not. I haven't got as that well. Brain. I think um, we place too much. How do I say this? We seem to hold up that intelligence comes with memory. Yes. So exams, yes. you need to have really strong memory, right? Yeah. But you might not be that good at understanding things, yeah. but you can just have a very strong memory. I think that's held up much further than it needs to. I agree and I, I think it's know. really important. I'm under the impression I weirdly have a lot of friends who are doctors. I don't know why they've taken me under their wing. They're all smart. I'm not at that, <laughs> at that level, but they, they, it's very rote learning. I know there's a lot of things where you have to, you know, there's a lot of understanding, but a yes. lot of it's rote learning and I just can't handle that. Intent. We actually like, met through a mutual doctor friend actually. Which one? Was it Millsy or Kent? Steve, it was Steve. Of course the fucking Steve. Come to e- think of I'm it. I'm sure everyone Kent. listening is like, oh, we do Steve. <laughs> <laughs> he is one of the hi, world's. Steve. Hi, Steve. One of the world's best connectors and I always value his friendship. And he is, is very yeah, good at that. I've met a lot of great people through Steve, so I'll always really cherish him for that. Um, yeah, so uni just didn't, it didn't sit well with me. I never understood the point. And I'm a bit, mm. I've got a bit of defiance disorder. That's what my mum likes to call it. And I just was like, oh, well, no, bugger it. I'm <laughs> going to go and, I'm going to go and just work. And I think, I don't think mum and dad knew the extent of how bad I was doing at university because I just mask it by saying, it's all good. I'm going yes. to uni, but I never actually went to uni. I'd drive off and go to work. And I think I'd ask people to do yes. notes for me. And I like, I tried to learn the morning of like, I just, it was just a disaster. Honestly, I cannot explain to you the disaster and the sheer terror every time I walked into an exam. I was like, what? I don't even know what, what even exam is this? Is this financial management? Someone's yes. like, no, this is accounting 101. I'm like, oh shit, I bought the wrong note. Thank you goodness. know what I mean? I just didn't, I didn't, yeah. did it. I was just in a minefield of just disaster. So yeah. I think that's where the next step comes in. It was kind of, how do I explain it? It's, it's very easy to explain it in hindsight, but I just want to be very clear. By no means was it an easy position I was in, but I'm going to explain it like it was all like, oh yeah, just boom, boom, boom. It wasn't, oh yeah, boom, boom, boom. It was terror and fear and just what the fuck am I doing? Holy shit, who am I? Rah, rah, rah. <laughs> you know, it was just just disaster yeah. thoughts. What's going like, to become yeah, of I'm me? I'm just like, oh my God, I'm going to be living with my mum and dad till I'm 15. I'm going to be their carer. That's fine. I can probably work a bar job and care for them during the day. I was like, oh my God. Which is also great if you're a carer and nothing. I was like, I just didn't think that's where my yes. life was going to go. Points, you the know? Hardest job ever. Yes. So I was like, okay. I was like, all right, take a deep, hard look at yourself, Siege. What's going on? Um, and so I said, I kind of like shifted my, you know, I was still working in a restaurant, but I kind of picked up another job in retail. And I'd always been a bit of a fan of luxury shopping. So, you know, I've obviously worked a lot. So I kind of built up a bit of cash monies and I would spend all my money. Remember, I was living at home with my parents. I had no expenses apart from phone bill, snacks and petrol. So I literally spent all my money on yep. luxury clothes, like just ridiculous thousand dollar heels, which I'd go to Fridays and do hot laps. Do you know what I mean? Like just like just stupid things. Like just no one even knew the brands. They were so high end. I was like, I don't care. And that's where I spent all my money. And so I was like, okay, let me get a job at Chanel 
when they opened their Brisbane store. And I very fortunately got a job there, lie to my resume, FYI, got the job whilst on in there. And I think that's where things started to really crumble because I was kind of working a bit at the bar, working at Chanel, was enrolled at university, but I was very much just, it was going from bad to worse. And that's when I kind of took a yeah. big hard look at myself. I'm like, what am I doing? What do I like doing? What about my life do I really enjoy? And I was like, fucking not much. And But there was one thing, <laughs> I haven't even brought art into this yet at all because I it's not like I did art as a full-time thing. It was always something I had enjoyed doing from time to time at like high school. And I was like, I've always really enjoyed yes. drawing. And I remember people telling me, you're really good. And remember, this was like five or six years ago and I hadn't really picked up a pencil. I was like, everyone would say, you're really good, CJ, you should do this. And I kind of picked up a pencil of recently. I'm like, oh yeah, I really like drawing and I can make drawings look like photographs. And people seem to think that's quite amazing. And I really enjoyed mm. the cathartic nature of sitting down to draw. There was something yes, really, very, very just intimate and calming about being on my own and to really harness that introverted side of my personality, which I mm. really didn't think I enjoyed so much. And so it, I kind of got to a stage where I was like, you know what? I really enjoy drawing and I'd love to give this a crack because it brings me joy. I'm at a stage in my life yes. where I'm not up to much and not much is going right. Fuck it. May as well do something that I really like. And so I kind of sat down and I thought to myself, okay, well, I kind of, I'm quite realistic in my thinking. And you know how some people are like, oh, I just started a business. And part of me is like, well, how the fuck did you start it? Where did you get the money? How, I like, I need to know nuts and bolts. I'm like, well, who paid for rent? Who paid yes. for your snacks? Who paid for your tampons? Clear. Do you know what I mean? I'm like, I need to know all that. So like, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like they're all really important questions. But, but, <laughs> yeah. but they are important they questions. They are the most because, important questions. You know, otherwise people can't just walk around thinking that that can just happen. With yeah. No. It just, it doesn't. Like there's a lot of thought process and things that, go into being able to do yeah, that. Yeah, and I'm quite type A and quite logical, right? So I was like, all right, so mum and dad, you know, already are like, oh, God, what's up with our daughter? They are not going to, you know, <laughs> they're not going to be like, babe, no worries, like live with us. Here's, well, how, some, here's a large pile of cash. Here's money. Go for it. Bless yeah. your heart. You, you're just amazing. Yeah. Like, uh, no, those are not my parents. My yeah. parents are more like, uh-huh, best of luck, you're an idiot. You should go back to in. No, I'm not <laughs> saying that, but you know what I mean? They're much more that kind yeah. of old school work hard. Like really they've worked to every dollar and yeah, just so them, you shouldn't get things handed yeah. to you on a plate. And for me to be squandering this kind of university opportunity, you know, well, what job are you going to get without a degree? That that's their mentality, and rightly so. And yes. so I was like, okay, so if I'm gonna do this, I'm gonna have to do it on my own. And I was like, all right, so what have I got here? I'm like, all right, so looking around my bedroom, I was like, I've got a pretty shit hot wardrobe here. So what I did, I was like, all right, I really want to draw and I really want to give drawing a go. And I knew that my drawings would just take a long time and I just wanted to sit on my own and just draw. I didn't want to have the stress of uni. I didn't want to work and have the stress of trying to make a dollar. I was like, fuck it. So I kind of came to the conclusion, I was like, I'm going to need a little bit of money to be able to do this for like at least three, four, five, mm. six months to a year. So I'm like, okay. So what I did, I decided to sell my entire wardrobe on eBay. So in the night times, I'd photograph my shoes, my handbags, my dresses, and I'd list them all on eBay. 
which is actually a lot of work it's selling a, things on it, eBay. It was a lot. I ha- always of work. have these great ideas. Yeah. yeah, I always have these great ideas to like do it and sell. Yes. You know, make a bit of extra cash. Yeah. And as soon as I start, I'm like, nah. This well, is just, it this is, is hard. It, it was so much work. Now there's like way more different things out there where they just take your clothes and do all of it. But back then it was like you really had to hustle yes. on your own. But when I say I sold everything, I'm saying I sold everything. I just left denim shorts and jeans and T-shirts. I was like, fuck it, let's go all in. Let's give this a go. I'm a bit of like an all-in type of personality person if you haven't probably figured that out. Um, you know, I don't do things by halves. I'm just like, oh, all in, give it a go. If it doesn't work, fuck it, move on to the next yes. thing. So I kind of sold my entire wardrobe. I was like, all right, so I'm going to have enough money. And so I'm like, right, I've got enough money, sorry, to kind of get me through to at least the next six months where I don't need to stress too much about where the next dollar is coming from. And one, once again, I was very lucky I didn't have to pay for rent. There weren't huge expenses. But there were enough expenses for me to be like, well, I need to pay for petrol, fire and snacks. When I come to think of it, that's a bit silly, isn't it? But those were big expenses to me at the time, all right? <laughs> yes, things. exactly. Yeah. And I was just kind of doing... I think yeah. going back to yeah. the eBay thing, yeah. talking about the sale of everything mm. you own, just to put into context, mm. how much did you make from the sale of everything? I think I made like $22,000, which... It could have been a bit yeah, more, wow. but it was around that, which is an extraordinary amount of money. And I was like, this is awesome. Mm. I can just sit, not sit back, but I can really go gung-ho and just draw and just not worry about, all right, I need $600 for this. You know, I was like, I can really get by for a full year on that amount of money. You know, I was like, if I really go for it, I, I don't need much to live. So that's what I did. I kind of sat down. I was like, all right, I'm just going to draw. And I just drew and I knew I was good at drawing. I hadn't drawn for ages, but I'm like, I just really enjoy it. And I was, I, I kind of wanted to draw on really good materials right from the start. I got really good pens, really good paper. And I just kind of like photographed some expense. Speaking of Steve Kent, I asked him if I could borrow all those expensive Louboutin shoes because remember I'd sold everything. I was like, oh, Steve, can I borrow some of your shoes? I need to photograph them because I need to draw them. And so I kind of started drawing. Yes, he had a great sneaker yes, collection. didn't he? And I just started drawing you all did. these luxury goods, you know, a few of the things I photographed before I sold them and then started borrowing friends' things and I photographed them and drew them. And the goal was to draw six things, print out the drawings and put them in a portfolio and take them around to some galleries. That was the goal. So I was like, all right, it'll take me about six months to do some drawings and then, you know, I'll take them around to galleries. In the meantime, I was, you know, Instagram was kind of popping up and I was like, oh, you know what? Let me just flick a photo on here, flick a photo there, let's go. And that is truly how one thing led to another. It was just, this was in the early days of Instagram. I'm very lucky to be on it in the early days. And I just posted photo after photo and things just went from there. Within three months, one of my first pieces sold. And it was just game on from there. It's just I've never looked back and I've really yeah. high, I've really glossed over a lot of the bullshit and all the hard things, you know, now I'm in the position I'm in. But it really started from there and I worked like a fucking beast. Honestly, work has never scared me. <laughs> hard work has never fucking bothered me. And I drew seven days a week. I never saw a soul. I'm like, you want to catch up with me? You come to my parents' basement. We can chat there. And I drew into the early hours. I drew at nighttime, daytime. I made it a full-time job and then some. And I had the 
best year of my life. I just drew and I had a hoot. It was just the best. Oh, hi there. I'm Molly, the founder of Dunkel, your go-to for thoughtful, sustainable, and inclusive beauty essentials. Made in small batches by me and formulated with quality raw materials, our products are designed to highlight the natural beauty across all skin colors. Shop our range today at www.dunkelauthentic.com. And now back to the show. I'm surprised that art was never something that you considered to do straight out from uni. Or were you so... I was so enamored with the swimming culture that you hadn't really thought about it. Yeah, I did spend that much time. I think I wasn't really thinking much for myself. Like at a high school, it was much. It was very much like, you know, what university? What degree are you going to do? I'm like, oh, oh, degrees are professional things, you know. And that's the kind of school we went to. And yes, I think back then there was never a conversation about, well, how do you make a dollar from art? Are you fucking kidding? Art was the blood subject at school. That was the one I was just good at, but secretly a blood. Do you know what I mean? It was like, you know, it was like sports science, low blood, because I was good at sport. Not a done thing. Yeah, I was like, oh, sport, easy. I can almost do that in my sleep. Art, boom, easy subject. I can do that in my sleep. Never was it a serious conversation. I can almost say, I reckon, Mm. because when we were at school, I don't know anyone who went off and did art as a degree. I, I truly don't know anyone. Maybe the few exceptions. Yeah, but that's interesting. Yeah, I don't think that was much. I think of a there are a few at our school, but I, I don't know if they went on to be artists. Well, maybe there were a few at my um, school, but I was just so caught up with like, okay, well, I was successful at something. I can be successful at something else. Just work hard and you'll get there. Mm-hmm. And turns out I didn't want yes. to be at uni, you know. That's and it, not the case. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, it truly I just. I think you were also incredibly yeah lucky to be. I feel like when Instagram first came out mm-hmm. I think the people that I think not saying you mm-hmm. you know it was at all integral to your success mm-hmm. but I think it the luck of being one of the first yeah. to really harness the yeah. power of that to- medium I think there's something to as well because totally. I feel like a lot of the big I hate this word influencers yeah. but they all seem to have started sort of around the same mm era Mm -hmm. so I think especially with you getting into the art world in a non-conventional way that was good timing it was but also it came with perhaps came with its difficulties because it was I was kind of like on just just a kid just drawing there was a lot of establishments in Brisbane and artists who were established who really had their noses you know right out of joint with me kind of turned up yeah and I understand that, you know, they've been working for 10, 20 years and building up their career and galleries. And I just kind of waltz on in and I'm starting to sell works. And, you know, it just kind of the excitement around my work was just kind of palpable. And it was not, you know, and I hadn't mm. done my time in inverted commas. And I think that really put yes. people's noses out of joint. And now you wouldn't think twice. Like if people haven't done their time, you're like, who gives a shit? Off they go. But back then, especially in art, yes. in the art world, you really have to do your time. And I think mm-hmm. what happened soon after that, there was a guy um, who had a really successful blog called The Cool Hunter when blogs were a thing. And he yes. reached out to me and he said, do you want to work together? I'm like, well, I don't know what that looks like. He's like, let me manage you. All you have to do is draw. I'll deal with all the sales and everything else. And I was like, mate, let's freaking go. And in all honesty, those was This sounds like a plan. Yeah. I was like, and those are honestly some of the best years of my life because I didn't have to worry about anything. But drawing, I just had to make art. And those are the easy days, if I can be perfectly honest. 
Um, yes, I've managed to grow my my profile and my my practice, but it has come with a lot of heartache and tears and just so much work to do it without yes. that management. You know, like it, essentially now everything, everything for the last six, seven, eight years has been done in-house complete with me and my team. And it's a lot of work and I wouldn't have it any other way. But the, it was really mm. good days where all I had to do was draw. That is it. Just draw what you want. I'll do this. Like he did the sewing. So those are the easy days. You talked about the sort of the cold reception yeah. from the art world initially because yeah. of, you know, the unorthodox method yeah. of selling via Instagram yeah. and yes. I guess independently yeah. as opposed to, you know, the very conventional way yeah. of going through galleries yeah. and them taking a cut and it being, it's quite a formal yeah. process. Yes. How do those same people sort of treat you or view you now, do you think? I don't know. And I haven't spent much time getting to know that answer. I feel like uh, I don't think they treat me any differently. I don't think they take care for much for me, but I don't care much for them. It's not the direction that I'm going in anyway. I think now the world has changed so much in a very short space of time, just in the God, I mean, I started drawing seriously 10 years ago. So much has happened in 10 years via socials, via God knows what else. I just don't think it's even a concern anymore. Like there is every Joe Sopener's dog. Do you know what I mean? I think back in the day, oh, how controversial. Now it's almost like if you don't have socials, who the fuck are you? Do you know what I mean? So it's kind of like now it's very much in your stride. Everyone does it. Back in the day, it was like, oh, how yes. dare you? So I don't think anyone kind of looks at me with a battered eyelid because they're like, oh, yeah, this is just how it works. Do you know what I mean? So if you can't beat them, join yes, them. I, I just think everyone has bowed to the pressure of social media. You know, whether you enjoy it or you don't, I think it's just inevitable and it's part of life. I guess on the topic of social media, mm-hmm. something that's quite, I think, integral to not integral to your art, but definitely a large part of your process is engagement Mm. with people. Mm. I definitely think that's something that really comes across via social platforms, Mm. but also your exhibitions. Mm. You know, it's a whole different thing altogether, what they've become. Yeah, it's a whole different thing. And what happened, so I moved to New York relatively soon after kind of start well when I say soon like I started drawing seriously this is when I like quit my job dropped out of uni kind of let's say seriously or at least full time and then I'd say a year just over a year I'd moved to New York with a guy I was just dating from Brizzy we're now married with two kids but we were not we were just dating yeah (laughs) yeah, it's Lewis (laughs) But like we met at the Stratty Day races, <laughs> like someone, we were playing spin the bottle. We got a little drunk. One thing led to another. It's fine. Um, you know, just two bogans from busy living in the big smoke. But, you know, <laughs> like we moved over relatively soon because he was like, I really want to go overseas. I was like, well, shit, same. And he's like, I want to go to New York. I'm like, shit, I've never been, but can I come? He's like, all right, let's go. And so we kind of, met, and I'm not joking with how casual it was. I'd never been to New York. I was like, I'm just we're just going, we're just going to New York, let's go. And I was like, oh, I can draw from anywhere because this guy, the cool hunter, Bill, was just going to manage. And I said, Bill, I'm going to move to New York. He's like, great. And so off I went and I just drew and the business continued as usual. You know, and then I did, I think, an exhibition with him in New York. And then soon after that, when I say with him, I'm talking the cool hunter who had the blog. 
And soon after that, I was kind of getting mm. itchy feet in that I wanted to do more. I was like, I'm really enjoying this art thing. I'm enjoying drawing. I'm enjoying everything about it, but I, I wanted more. I think I was getting a bit, I'm not going to use the word bored because it's not that because I find drawing extremely cathartic, but I was getting in, like a bit antsy. I wanted to do other things apart yes. from just drawing. I didn't want to be a one-trick pony. I wanted to kind of show off a little bit. I was like, I'm, I think I'm really creative and I don't think I'm showcasing my full creativity just by doing drawings. So that's when I started to, that's when I broke away from Bill and I was like, all right, shit, I don't know what I'm doing, but I'm going to try and manage everything on the back end on my own. So not only was I drawing. Which is pretty ballsy. Ballsy and super scary because I didn't have a database. Yeah. I knew no one. Yeah. I was like, I don't even know how to do this on my own. How do I sell my work? Like, how does this work? He had the database. He had the list of collectors. He had everything and I had nothing. I was like, all right, well, and that information wasn't going to be passed on and that's okay. And I thought, all right, I'm going in blind. I don't know how to do this, but let's go for it. And I very fortunately... Um, just through one of my drawings back in the day, I did a drawing of Louboutin sneakers and the Louboutin team caught wind of this and they had been like interested in my work and they said, we'd love to collaborate and do it something with you. I was like, great. And so my first thing on my own was a collaboration with Christian Louboutin in Hong Kong. Like what? I don't know what I was doing. I was like, oh shit. I kind Which of, is wild. Yeah. I'm like, I kind of want to draw in color. I kind of want to draw paint. And they were like, cool, we trust you. I'm like, fuck really I didn't even uh 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 like oh. do you because yeah, I'm like, not sure because do I don't know what's going on anyway and I've never collaborated I've never <laughs> responded to emails like I'd, I'd never done any of that I was like what the fuck is going on and I was like shit let's just go for it and that was truly the start of just figuring shit out and figuring it out in the fast lane and I think that is the true how do I even say it I just you know not you don't know what you don't know until you freaking know it and you just jump in two feet and you just figure it out and that's exactly what we did and even to this day seven years on we're still jumping in being like oh don't know what's going on let's figure it out like it's still the same <laughs> it's still the same just a bigger yeah. practice and I'm not joking it's mm. every day there's a new challenge and a new problem and the, the team is bigger and there's just a lot more moving parts but the the shit's still the same it's still we still don't know what we're doing. Oh, sorry, I still don't know what I'm really doing, but I'm having a great time and <laughs> I'm building bigger and bigger exhibitions and I'm having a really good time doing that. And You know, I'm just, yeah, I, I don't even know what to say. I think that's a good point saying, you know, there's still, you're still figuring out. I think there's no, you know, I think people work and work to get to this pinnacle mm. that they perceive in their minds, but what really is the pinnacle? There's still going to be stuff to figure out. There's still going to be problems. If anything, the problems might be bigger. Yeah. I think it's all just, you know, a continuous process yeah. that changes and maybe, you know, maybe you get more customers or maybe you get more fans yeah. or, you know, have a bigger social media presence, whatever field you're in. Yeah. But I think that I, I don't think that there's necessarily a pinnacle, maybe unless you're swimming and you yeah. win goals I think the Olympic, <laughs> at the Olympics. Yeah. I think that's probably the pinnacle. But I, do you know what's so funny? Because you've just really nailed it. I think, yeah, when you're an athlete, the pinnacle is, I mean, there's different pinnacles for different sports, but say you are a swimmer, the pinnacle is Olympic gold. And a, or a world record or whatever it is. And then from there, once you've got an Olympic gold, what the fuck else do you need to do? You've, you've done it. You've gotten yes. as far as you can go. 
Whereas in art or business, there's actually no limit. There's no, there's no end goal. Mm. It's, it, it's constant. There's, it's really is a limitless in practice and the, the world's your oyster. And that's what I really enjoy. And I guess that's also the challenge because there's no end goal. You just, I just keep inventing just keep new things going. and you just keep going and whatever sparks my fancy and my interest. And we're running a huge business. And then my husband's Lewis has started a business like a couple of years ago and we're just having a really a great time running businesses because that's what it is at the end of the day. And we just don't, we're really good at it and we really enjoy it. And oh God, when I say we're really good at it, that's a giving myself far too much praise, but we've, we've gotten. <laughs> no, but I think that's important to acknowledge what you're good at. We've gotten more capable. Yes. I think that's the better words to use, but I think. You're more experienced. Yes. You're wiser. Oh, Kush, you nailed it. You, you with your <laughs> words. <laughs> we are more experienced. And I think the more experience yes. you have under the belt, the more confident you are. And then fuck, we're so confident. You know, we're just like, fuck it, let's start a business. And that's the business Lewis has started. And, you know, like we've got no right to start a business in New York, but, you know, with, with a bit of confidence. Should we shout out to Andy Blank? Shout out Andy Blank, let's go. You know, so it's just. <laughs> everyone go check everyone them out. Everyone go check. Yes, it's just yeah. been a really wild, fascinating journey. And, you know, it, it just what sparks Lou and I, Lou and I spend hours just riffing and chatting and, dreaming up ridiculous concept. I don't even know. I don't even know what we talk about half the time, but we're just having a lot of fun. Love. It comes with a lot of stress and strain. Like I'm not trying to downplay, Mm -hmm. like it sounds like running a business is so much fun. Parts of it are fun and parts of it are bullshit. There you go. Like with parenting, parts of it are fun and then a lot of it's bullshit. It's It's the same as business. So but the overall, we yeah, just... Yeah, I feel like I'm in the, I'm in the latter stage at yeah. the moment. Well, it's 80-20, right? 20% fun <laughs> or what? It's yeah. what? It's 80% fun? Anyway. <laughs> but yeah, it's, it's a balance and I think confidence mm-hmm. in, in our experiences come through mistakes and the more hurdles you learn to manage, the more confident I certainly have gotten moving forward with new ideas and concepts and managing a team and building a team and keeping my team really happy and motivated comes with confidence. And I think being a flexible manager, I didn't get into this wanting to be a fucking manager. Are you joking? But like I'm a manager of a lot of people and they really enjoy Maybe their that jobs. Maybe business degree did come in no, handy. No, it absolutely didn't. This is on the fly. We've, we've done our, <laughs> no, we have done our MBA 10 times over and it, I cannot explain to you the things we've learned through running a business. It's it's invaluable tools and skills. Mm. I, can't, I I we're just having a lot of fun, but it, yeah, like I said, it's difficult. But by no means did I get into it to manage people. But that's just what it, the position I'm in now with a bigger brand. This is this is what has to happen. So it's it's fascinating. Like it's it, no way did I expect to be here, but. I've just kind of gone step by step by step and figured shit out each time, not knowing the arts or knowing how to get there, but we've just winged. We're still winging it. And I think that's really important yes. to note. By no means do we know what really what we're doing, but we're just kind of like making things up as we go and hoping for the best. Yeah. Hoping for the best. Hoping for the best. Um, and what is the best? Remember, there's no ceiling. There's no cap. We're just. Exactly. Yeah. We're just like. There's no ceiling. Yeah. We're just having 
fun along the way. And I will say the Andy Blank business is very different from my practice. You know, that's a true startup. Like that's a business that's built to sell, whereas my practice yes. is it's yes. not something that can happen. So very different. Art. Yeah, very different businesses, but they still do art, but in very, very different ways, you know. So that's been really interesting as well. Yeah. How did the Kanye West piece come about? Well, I was just, and still am, I know, controversial. Um, Very controversial yeah. <laughs> in present times. Yeah. I was, <laughs> well, I am a fan of Kanye. And this was like maybe like eight, ten years ago. I kind of was a fan. And this is when Bill from The Cool Hunter was managing me. And I was like, I really want to do a piece of Kanye. So I did the piece. And I was like, Bill, I'd, wouldn't it be great? You know, Kanye is going to be playing in Brizzy. I'd love to give this piece to him. And and Bill kind of, Bill was, I learned a lot from him. And he was like, yeah, all right, let's give it a go. I was like, oh, shit, well, all right. And he just emailed Kanye's manager. I don't know how he found that email, but he's like, I don't know who they are. I'm just going to email. And got a response back and said, yeah, great. We'd love to meet CJ and he'd love to receive the piece. And that's literally how it happened. And I guess learning from Bill, he was just like, you know, throw him out at the wall and see what sticks. You're like, all right, let's just email him. I'm like, what do you mean? Who? How can you just email? He's like, yeah, I just emailed them. I was like, okay. he just had an extraordinary confidence and like, who cares? Just do it. And I, I really took a, a lot of learnings from that um, kind of going out mm, of my own. Yeah. yeah. I think there's something to be said about just giving it a try yeah. because I think lots of people sit on their hands mm. or their asses, whichever mm-hmm. one, and go, oh, that's a cool thing to do. Yeah. But they don't actually do it. I think there's really something to be said about just giving it a shot and that but, you know, the world is way more connected than what we think. It is, but I also understand the the position that I think most people might find themselves. It's like, oh, I'd love to, mm. but what if something goes wrong? And yes. I think yes. as someone who's sitting here in inverted commas having made it, although I don't think I've made it, we've got a long way to go, I just know that we doesn't, inevitably shit goes wrong but it's just about how you just manage the shit so like I'd say 80% of my practice we're dealing with fires and putting fires out and it's just about navigating that and I really learned whether it's psychopathic or not but I really learned over time not to celebrate the highs too much and not to commiserate the lows that is really easier said than done but I'm really conserving my energy and just no. But I think that's yeah. a really good point. Yeah, and just treating the lows because I'm not. I'm. We're never going into anything expecting it to go perfectly because nothing, nothing ever works like that. We go into a release, an exhibition, knowing that fifty percent of it won't work or something will go drastically wrong because it always does. You don't see that on socials, but there's always something crazy going on, and it's just like, okay, this happened. Great. How do we fix it? And sometimes we have to fix it with money and sometimes we have to fix it with an idea. You know, like there's sometimes we never know what the problem's going to be and at what capacity, but there's always something. You just need to deal with what it is at the time. Um, and I'm sure people, it might not even be running businesses. It might be like even, for example, with kids, the, no, no days are the same, no days are easy. And whilst I'd love to go into every day being like, okay, they're going to eat all their brekkie lunch and dinner. There's going to be no tantrums and we're going to go to bed and naps are going to be perfect. Never once has that actually happened. And I think, you know, running a business yes. is the same as having a child. I'm like, people just go in and have a kid. They're not ready. 
But it's the same thing as trying something out. You just go in, give it a go, and you figure it out. All parents figure it out. Um, hope for the best. Yeah, and hope for the best. And sometimes it's not always great. You just you, you, you grow with your kid and you grow with your business. And that's a great analogy. Like Lewis and I have learned a lot through business and, and apply. I know this sounds crazy, but applying it to parenting, it's just like nothing really goes to plan, but we're just making it up each day, you know. How has being a parent fit into this crazy life that you have? It's been really how, how how does it differ than what you thought um I didn't spend much time thinking of what it was going to be like I kind of went in being like I'll figure it out when it comes out and we did just mm. that what has happened is yes I'm now which is not something I thought would happen but once again in term in the whole figuring it out spirit I'd I'd always been like I've I've always been a big worker. Like I said, I've never been afraid of a hundred plus hour week for years on end. Mm. That's never worried me. But having a kid like that definitely shifted. I haven't been able to work that much. When I say work that much, you know, when we had our first child, my workload probably halved. Sorry, my work time probably halved because I wanted to go home and spend time with Ellis. And by the time he's like sleeping I don't always have the energy to keep working all I did and then now we've got a second kid and it's shifted again and so now I'm kind of trying to do the same amount in a third of the time so now what's happened I've really let go of being a micromanager I don't think I was one but if I ever had any spare second before I now don't have that time so I let go of all extracurricular stresses in business and I let I, I mm-hmm. let my team, who were always there, truly let them have full control. I'm like, do it, get it done. And they're like, do you want to read through the whatever, whatever? I'm like, no, it'll be fine. Do you know what I mean? And like, I really let people do yeah, that. Yeah, that's a great deal of faith. It's a huge deal of faith. But I'm like, that. It just I have to do that now because otherwise I'll, mm. I'll go into a ball of stress and I just don't do yes. not have the energy and time for that. And I want to, I really want to enjoy my no. business. I want to enjoy my kids. So I let people almost autonomously do their job. I check in from time to time, but I'm like, yeah. I fucking hope you're doing a good job because fuck if you fuck up, then obviously everyone, someone's head's on the line. But everyone's, I think the more I get into it, sorry, I'm talking business here, but the more I get into it, people are actually fucking good at their jobs and just let them be good at their jobs and let them figure it out and, you know, yes. have a little meeting. And then just let them go. And quite often they fucking quite exceptional. You know what I mean? Not that you don't expect them to be exceptional. And they do things that maybe you wouldn't have oh, thought of. They do things yes. way better than it. Way better than me. So I think I've sorry, so to answer your question, how has parenting affected, you know, our our wanting to grow these businesses and practices? It's affected in a big way, but I think we've had to kind of let go of any kind of extracurricular time. And we've just, you hire people in the business to help with those things. And I will also say we've also had to hire help in terms of nannies. And they have been the most extraordinary help for me and my mental health because they are essentially my, like Mm. when I say they, I have got a wife at home in that someone helps us. (laughs) No, and that's what it is. Someone helps me with my kids and they help me with the house and they just help me with things that yes. I can't always get to. And no one talks about that. When I see mums working and also kids, they're like, how the fuck are you doing that? I need to know. And I'm saying, honestly, I'm like, we've mm. got paid help. 
We're in a country to grow family and we've got paid help. These two women are from Trinidad. They're cousins. When I walk into the house, it is the most warm feeling. These two Trini ladies are cooking. God knows what they're cooking. Um, I know Ellis is at daycare. I know Kenny is being smothered with love and attention. I know if I'm not going to be there, mm. someone else needs to be doing as good a job as me. It's not better. And we've got, yes, we've got exactly. a really good system and a really great woman that I trust with my, with my kids. Um, yeah. So yes. that's what it is. I'm working a 40-hour week, which is a huge adjustment for me. But I'm learning mm. to kind of do what I can do in that time and delegate everything else. Yes, I think there's something to be said for having a good support yes. network. And I think, you know, especially for you being overseas. Yeah, totally. And do you know what? If we're back in Brazil, my mum would be doing this with without even a question. Like she loves spending time with the kids. And that mum's here quite often, actually. Every other month she's in New York. Like, she's hilarious. Yeah, she's just a hoot. And she's so good with the kids too. But <laughs> I know if we're in Brizzy, she'd be doing that, but we're not in Brizzy. And so we've yes. had to kind of, with paid help. And I will say I'm coming to a position of privilege. I know it's a huge extent and we're in a wonderful position yes. to be able to afford that privilege. But it's just, it's a, it, I even find it astronomically expensive. I'm like, the fuck, this is a lot of money. But I'm like, you know what? It's the only way I'm able to go to work and get the job done. You know what I mean? Otherwise, I stay yes. at home and, and then the business stops. You know, so I'm like, you know what? Fuck it. I enjoy going to work. I, I leave at 8.30 and I'm back at 4. You know, so I have good chunks of time in the morning and mainly the afternoon with the kids. That's how I kind of structure it. Just going back to things not always going to plan. Yeah. And I'm going to touch on it because yeah. it's the last year yeah. you've done it, is copyright infringement. Yeah. <laughs> And <laughs> has that, did that sort of become its own sort of beast yes, unexpectedly? Absolutely. Because it's become this viral sensation. It is. It has actually become that. And we did the last year of it. We've done it five years in a row. And that is the true definition of shit happens, figure it out. And, you know, like in, yes. I'm also a bit cheeky and, you know, a little bit of defiance disorder of we, as we touched on earlier. But- <laughs> So, you know, when someone tells me. Because that initially, mm. you know, not to go into too yeah, much detail, yeah. you probably have some legal no, reasons why nice. we can't. But um, no, we can talk about it. There, that, was, that was to be its own collection, yes, right? Yes. The Andy Warhol Polaroids yeah. and then you were under strict instruction from an external company yes. that that was in fact not to be a collection. Yeah, and I was. Um, we were told to destroy it. So you had to find something to do with it. Yeah, we, well, no, we were told to destroy it. We weren't told to find something. We're like, all right, told, you, we, I was told you had to destroy the the drawing. Well, not the drawing, destroy the T-shirt. And I was like, well, fuck that. I'm not going to destroy them. I'm going to, like, be a bit snazzy and dispose of them creatively around New York. So that's what we did. It was, yeah, and it was like... It came with its own amount of panic. You know, when you get a, a, cease and desist, a cease and desist email, like that's no fun. But yes. then I'm like, oh, you know, it took me a couple of days to get over it and all the panics. And then like this dust settled. I'm like, oh, okay, so we got all these T-shirts. What do we do with this? And then we just boxed, like I, I'm really downplaying it, but that's as simple as it was. I was like, all right, let's go. Let's box them up and just chuck them around the city. And that's what we did and posted the locations to Instagram. And then it's like turned into this whole thing. And we've had a lot of fun. And we've done it five years in a row and I've now, that was the last year we did it this year. And yeah, I'm sure there'll be some other bullshit that I deal with and then we'll make it into a thing <laughs> next year. You know, like it's, 
There's um, always something, Kush. I tell you what, it's like I could write a book <laughs> on the bullshit. You really nailed it before. You just get better at understanding that like nothing goes according to plan and, and there's always a solution to everything. You just wangle yes. your way into figuring it out, you know? We figure it yeah, out. Totally. What caused you to decide to hang up the boats in regards to copyright infringement? I think yeah. we've done it for five years and I think five years is a really nice time to finish up like a series. Good number. Yeah, it's a really good number. Like The Wire, one of my favourite series of all time, finished at five seasons. You know, Breaking Bad stopped at five seasons. You know, there's a lot of really good examples of series yes. that stop at I five. I feel like TV shows, after five it goes downhill. Yes, exactly. And I'm like, I was already like – Honestly, I was already starting to get a bit bored and a bit over it. And I'm like, if I'm starting to feel yeah. the boredom, I'm like, we've got to stop. And I do a lot on gut and intuition. Yeah. I'm like, if I'm feeling a bit like over it, we've got to stop and move on. There's no shortage of ideas and creativity. I'm like, I'll think of something else or I mm. won't. Who knows? But we'll definitely go and do something. Who knows? Yeah, exactly. But yeah, I think it's really important to kind of pause and put an end to something and in, in, enables something else to grow you know once you get to I guess say a certain level mm-hmm. do you start to feel the pressure of that what do you mean because I think I know what you mean what do you mean by pressure I guess in terms of you know being able to do another collection that's received as well or you know outdo the previous exhibition does that make sense oh, like, absolutely because you've got a bigger audience now um I there is, for me, it's more of a personal pressure I put on myself. I'm not, I've never been one to mm. really worry about what people think or say. That's not really a concern. It's more like for me personally, I want to be proud of the thing I'm doing and I want to be proud of the things I'm drawing and think whatever it might be, exhibitions, rah, rah, rah. And I'm like, if I'm not proud of it, it's not going to translate. The energy is not going to be there. And I want to keep pushing myself, pushing the practice. That's a good question. There is pressure, but probably not the way you see it. I don't, like I said, I don't really mm. worry about what other people think. I just look at it internally. I'm like, I think I'm going to answer this a different way. I think you can also get, not you, but I'm saying people I've seen get complacent when they get to a certain level of making it and mm. then they don't yeah. progress and nothing is extraordinary. And then you're just like, oh yeah, they got pretty boring pretty quick. And I think that's what worries me. I never want to get the level of complacency mm. or like, oh, we've made it. We don't need to work as hard. I really disagree with that. I think there's more pressure to deliver in terms of not becoming too comfortable. I think that's more the thing I worry about. I never want to get too comfortable and too big for my boots. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. I think that. But I don't think I yeah. would because that's just not who I am. Mm. Looking back, you know, on the journey you've had from swimming and uni mm. and, you know, just everyday things that happen, mm. what place do you think failure has had in your success? I think failure is the reason I'm even a little bit successful. I know that's like it's so hard to hear because like no one fucking wants to go through the failure. People just want the highs. Like oh, I'll admit that. I just want the good stuff. But I don't think you'd appreciate the good stuff, you know, unless you've overcome a hurdle to be like, wow, gosh, like what a feeling, what a great feeling it is to, 
deal with bullshit, be through when you the learn the learning. Oh, I hate that word, but you we I've learned so much and I'm so grateful. I'm so grateful for it and you not to try to make the mistakes again. But inevitably yes. shit happens in a different way. And yeah, like I said, it's I'm I'm learning to become a more well rounded artist in terms of managing my team, managing my creativity, managing a whole lot of things that are in the air and I'm becoming more confident in doing that. You know, like, I don't know, you get better and the more you try, you get better at more things or you get more, like I said, more confident in more things. That's it. And where to from here for (laughs) CJ Hendry? I don't know, Chris. That's a great (laughs) question. I So we have two kids. Do we go for a third? I don't know. I don't have the energy right now. But I think. Well, just give yourself a break, mate. She's only little. Give us a minute. Um, I think Lewis and I plan, we want to be black and brizzy, I'd say within the five years or so. But there's no rush, but we really want to be back home. We still call Australia mm-hmm. home as well. And we want to be around family and, you know, that that type of thing. And yeah, we're really looking forward to that. So yeah. we're going to just, you know, keep doing our thing here, but we're definitely very keen and excited to be back in Brizzy eventually, for sure. We want our kids mm. to be Aussie. Yes. I think there's something, I think Aussies tend to really want their kids to be Aussie. Yeah. It's such a great place to grow up. Yeah, I agree. I think it's a really special place. How do you think that would change the direction of your art coming back home? I don't spend much time thinking about it. Not that I don't not care. Mm. I just think we're going to move back and then we'll figure it out. Like with anything, you can overanalyze and be like, oh, what if, what if, what if? I don't spend much time analyzing with anything. I think you can probably tell just from the things I've kind of said. I just like, we're just going to move back and we'll put one foot in front of the other and there'll probably be some fuck ups and or it might, some things might go right, something might, some things might go wrong, but we'll just move home and figure it out. That's yeah. all we've ever done and that's what we'll keep doing, I reckon. I reckon that's the way to go. I reckon it is. <laughs> <laughs> thank you so much for chatting with Gosh, me, Sage. thank you. It's such a pleasure to chat to you after so many years. You haven't changed a bit and I just love it. Just love uh, it. And I can't I wait to. I had a nice time. Oh, absolutely. And I can't, I'm, yeah, looking forward to seeing you when we are back. And hopefully before when we're back back. I know. Anyway, it's good to just see you on the socials at the very least. Of course, I'm going to go down and have a groaning um, before a little nightcap before before I head to bed. (laughs) You can have a groaning or that's only 11 in the morning. Probably not great. Probably not ideal. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Um, Okay, we'll say hi to Lewis for me. Of course. Kush, great to chat, doll. Okay. All right, bye. Great to chat. Speak to you soon. Bye. Upfront is independently written and produced. Please leave us a friendly review and follow us on Instagram at upfront underscore the podcast. See you next time.